In this episode, I will show you how important is trustworthiness for you when you try to sell something, and specifically that you can charge a higher price than an untrustworthy salesperson and still win the business. I think I'll surprise you by how much of a higher price. But I will also give you a few specific tips on how to be a more trustworthy salesperson from the book Can I Trust You? 50 plus 1 Habits That Will Make You a Trustworthy Salesperson. Welcome to Season 1, Episode 9 of The Trust Show. I'm your host, Yoram Solomon, a researcher of trust and the author of The Book of Trust. In this educational podcast, I will challenge you to think differently about trust through the eight laws of trust and the six components of trustworthiness. But I will not only teach you about trust, I will also give you actionable advice on how to build trust, be trusted, and know who to trust. Because the answer to these two questions will have the biggest impact on your personal and professional success or failure. Can I trust you? And can you trust me? Todd Cohen is a friend of mine, and he has his own podcast on sales, and he is a keynote speaker, a workshop facilitator in the area of sales. And he made a statement once that I will never forget. He said, everyone's in sales. Everyone is in sales. You sell things to customers, whether it's products, services, or anything else. You sell things, this time in parenthesis, in uh, quote marks, you sell things to other people in the organization when you try to convince them to do something or something for you. You sell things to your children when you want them to do something at home. Here in this uh, podcast episode, I will focus on the traditional definition of selling. Selling to a customer and taking money for it. When I did my survey of what is the most important quality for you in other people, I gave six types of people. It was your boss, your employee, a peer, a colleague, a salesperson trying to sell you something, your government representative, and your spouse. And with an overwhelming majority of 61.2% of the participants said that the most important quality for them in other people was trustworthiness. But the highest percentage of people who attributed trustworthiness as the most important quality was when I asked them about salespeople. It was significantly higher than the average, which was 61.2%. In other words, more than three out of four people, when I asked them what is the most important quality for you in a salesperson trying to sell you something, said it was their trustworthiness. The next quality was intelligence with only 13.3%. So trustworthiness in a salesperson trying to sell you something was six times more important to the participants in that survey than the next quality, intelligence. So I decided to do another survey, to do another experiment and see if people were willing to put their money where their mouth is. In other words, this is the most important quality are you willing to pay for it? So I did another experiment or another survey. 
And this survey involved a scenario of a $10,000 project that uh, a home renovation project that you decided to do in your house. And you did your online research and uh, got reviews and, and you ended up with two possible companies. You invited both of them to come in, the salespeople, and give you a pitch and give you a quote of uh, how will they do and how much will they charge for this project. Two came in. I described the first one as someone who said he, he was, first of all, he was the owner of his business. He was in business for 20 years, very good reviews. But the most important part is in that when he came in, he started asking you, what is it that you want to do? And even though you suggested certain things or asked for certain things, he said, you know, I can do this for you. It's actually going to be more expensive and so great for me. But I think that something else is going to be even better for you, which, by the way, is going to even be cheaper. In other words, in 20 minutes, this salesperson managed to convince you that he was or she was more trustworthy. The second salesperson was in and out. It was obvious that he was there for just for the money, just for the commission that he's going to get. He doesn't own the business. Uh, he was with the business for maybe two, three months and uh, really didn't care about what's best for you as opposed to what will maximize his commission. So in other words, in 20 minutes, over the next 20 minutes, he managed to establish himself as untrustworthy compared definitely to the first one. So after describing these two scenarios, I asked participants in this survey, when they came back, the two salespeople, and gave their proposals, and their proposals were for exactly the same price, 0% difference, which one will you choose? The trustworthy one or the, the untrustworthy one? Well, when I ask people, some people think that this is a trick question. Because the answer is pretty obvious. You will take the trustworthy one. 100% of my participants chose the trustworthy one. Well, here's a statement that I will make out of this. If you are a trustworthy salesperson selling against an untrustworthy salesperson for the same price, you will get the business 100% of the time. Not 95%, not 98%, 100% of the time. Then I asked, what if the price was 10% higher? So the trustworthy salesperson actually asked for a 10% higher price. Which one will you choose? Well, it might surprise you, didn't surprise me, that 100% still chose the trustworthy one. So I'm even going to make the first statement I made even more significant by saying that a trustworthy salesperson selling the same product or service for 10% higher price would get the business 100% of the time. 100% of the time. It's not just that you win the business. You actually charge 10% higher price. Then I went on and asked about 20%. Well, at 20%, 58.2% said that they will still choose the trustworthy salesperson. So you still have better chance than the other salesperson, uh, even if your prices are 20% higher. However, 32%, 32.7% said, I don't know. So it's still going to be one of the two, I don't know, which to me meant that, you know, it's 50-50. 50 chance you get it, 50 chance the cheaper offer gets it. 
7% actually said we're going to take the cheaper one and 2% abandoned the project altogether. They're not willing to go with the untrustworthy salesperson and they're not willing to pay 20% higher price to go with a trustworthy salesperson. At 50%, only 21.8% of the people said that they're going to go with a trustworthy salesperson. I want you to think about that for a second. 20%, one in five people would pay 50% higher price because you were trustworthy as a salesperson and the other person was not. 38.2%, almost 40% said that they don't know, which means that you still have 50% chance of those to get the business. 15% said that uh, they're going to go with the cheaper one and 25% with the uh, uh, decided that they're going to abandon the project altogether. So I, I put this into a formula saying, you know, if you're going to go with the cheaper one, then you're going with the cheaper one. If you're abandoning the project, you're abandoning the, pro the project. But if you are kind of don't know it's still going to be one of the two then I gave you 50% or the trustworthy salesperson 50% and the other one another 50% uh, the other 50% that gave me a an interesting number it means that if you are a salesperson a trustworthy salesperson you can charge 29.6% higher price and only then you get to a 50-50 chance against an untrustworthy salesperson so to be at the same level with an untrustworthy, with a cheaper salesperson, you can sell 29.6% higher price, almost 30%. By the way, it looks worse from the other direction because one of the issues that businesses may not necessarily understand is how much money they leave on the table, how much money they lose by using an untrustworthy salesperson. Well, you essentially have to discount your prices 22.8%. 22.8% discount your prices just so that you'll get to an equal footing to be on par with a trustworthy salesperson who is not discounting at all. Now, there are several caveats to this. I did ask about a very specific project, a home renovation project, a $10,000 project. And, and obviously, there are cases where the prices are lower, higher. There's more in stake, less in stake. And so after interviews, I found that there are four major caveats or four major, let's call it, moderating factors. One is what percentage of income is the cost of that product is, product or service? So for someone who's making $50,000 a year in salary, a $10,000 project is very, very significant. So even though I want to go with the trustworthy salesperson, the jump from $10,000 to $12.96 or $13,000 is pretty significant, is a lot more significant to me than it is to someone who's making a million dollars a year. Okay, so that is one moderating factor that would affect the willingness to go with a trustworthy salesperson who's asking a higher price. It's actually going to push you more towards the untrustworthy, specifically the cheaper salesperson. The second part, the second moderating factor is the complexity versus manageability. So how complex is this project? Is this something that you can do by yourself and you're just hiring someone to shorten the time, to, to make it easy for you? Uh, 
in other words, when that person comes in, uh, can you manage, monitor, and see what they're doing to make sure that they're doing a good job? If the answer to that is yes, then you might go with the cheaper person, the cheaper salesperson, because you're going to keep an eye on them and make sure that they don't screw up that, that piece of work. Uh, if the more complex it is, the less you know how to do it or how to manage or control it, uh, the more likely you are to go with someone who's trustworthy. The third moderating factor is the consequences of a wrong decision. So if you, uh, and the wrong decision means that you took the wrong salesperson, specifically the untrustworthy one. So what would be the consequences of uh, hiring them to do a home renovation or or let's just call it painting, $10,000 worth of painting inside the house. What are the worst possible consequences? The worst possible consequences is, you know, they painted bad and, and you're going to have to redo it again. I mean, it's not going to break the house. So the worst consequences is you lost the $10,000. You're going to have to pay somebody else 10000 or maybe 13000 because they're more uh, trustworthy. Which, by the way, brings back to uh, the connection between trust and fear or risk. So the higher the risk is, the more you need to trust someone to feel safe rather than feel in danger. And uh, think about what the consequences are of uh, making the wrong decision in brain surgery on your child. So would you be willing to pay more for a trustworthy surgeon versus an untrustworthy surgeon because the untrustworthy uh, surgeon was cheaper? Obviously, the consequences are a lot more severe and therefore the level of trust you're going to need is much, much higher. Finally, it's whether there is any ongoing relationship or this is just a one-time deal. Uh, If this is a one-time deal, uh, you may probably make kind of an on-point and on-the-spot decision and and go with that decision as opposed to an ongoing relationship where the trustworthiness of the salesperson is going to be more important. There's, by the way, another way to look at it, and that is you may want to avoid going with someone who constantly uh, just charges a higher price, a 30% higher price. So these are the, the, uh, call it moderating factors, of, of making those decisions. But bottom line, I want to go back to uh, what I found in my survey, and that is that people are willing to pay a significantly higher price in my survey. Again, it's not doctoral level uh, peer-reviewed uh, research, but 30%, 30% higher price to a trustworthy salesperson against an untrustworthy one. Not to mention that If the price was the same, then the trustworthy salesperson gets the business 100% of the time. So it is very, very important for you as a salesperson to be trustworthy. How do you do that? I already mentioned that uh, I published a book. Actually, the first book uh, in the series, Can I Trust You, was 50 Plus One Habits That Will Make You a Trustworthy Salesperson. I'm not going to read to you the entire book. Uh, There's actually a website. uh, In my website, there is a resources uh, tab. And if you go there, there is a download section. And you can find a list of those 50, actually the 50 Plus One. And... um, 
just feel free to download that uh, but the entire the entire list with an explanation is found in the book and and what i'm going to do now is just give you a few sample tips from the book not not necessarily the obvious ones uh, but but some of the uh, less obvious ones i'll start with tip number five from the book Admit to how bad your product is, not how good you, you, you're doing a great job in describing how good the product is, but most salespeople avoid the fact that there are some drawbacks, there, there are some disadvantages to the product, to your product compared to somebody else's product. So your willingness to admit to those, your willingness to say, you know, yes, our product is better in X, Y, Z, but... Uh, the other product is actually better in something else. Let the customer decide what's more important, what's less important. But it is the fact that you're willing to admit to drawbacks, to disadvantages of your product makes you more trustworthy. So admit to how bad your product is and not only emphasize how good it is and only the, the advantages over competition. Next, I'm going to combine two of those tips, uh, tip number 14 or habit number 14. Uh, identify the things that you and the customer have in common. Uh, number 15 is actually identify the things that you don't have in common. And the reason for that is we like to buy from people like us. Now, I'm, I'm not going racial or gender or anything like that, but it's people that had similar experiences because this is where we find what I call the personality compatibility, which is one of those six components of uh, trustworthiness. So people like to buy from people like them. And so if you look your customer up uh, and see, uh, you know, probably their Facebook uh, profile or their uh, LinkedIn profile or anything else, do some homework and find something about them. And you're going to find that you went to the same school. So just think about that when you tell someone, uh, oh, by the way, you know that we went to the same school. There's already even a small level of trustworthiness that, that you've established. And, and of course, if you can just chat about this for a minute or two and kind of uh, reminisce on things that uh, were in that school or maybe a job, a place that you both worked at or, or anything else that you have in common. When you know things that you had in, had in common or have in common with your customer and you can point them out, you are establishing some trustworthiness. Now, the opposite of that, you there are certain things that you don't have in common. And the reason you need to know those is because those are probably things that you want to avoid and not necessarily bring up. I'm not talking about having opposite values because, well, I'm not sure that values are uh, things that come up in uh, Facebook or LinkedIn. But I'll tell you one thing, and that is if you start looking at your customer and you find that you know, you are aligned with one political party and your customer is aligned with the other. Unfortunately, uh, today, the, the polarization, the tribalism in, in our country is, is getting worse and worse. That's probably not something that you want to bring up when you're trying to sell something. So habit 14, identify the things that you have in common with the customer, bring them up. And habit 15, learn the things you don't have in common and don't bring those up. 
Well, you already heard that the customer is always right, right? This is as salespeople, this is one of the things that uh, that they teach you very early on. The customer is always right. If the customer says something you know is wrong, doesn't matter. The customer is right. You have to agree with the customer. Well, habit number 35, the customer is not always right. You know, when I was uh, working for a large semiconductor company, uh, I met with one of our clients and uh, the the person specifically that I was meeting with, uh, we had dinner together, was someone that in our company they used to think of as being very obnoxious, uh, demanding, very demanding uh, of, of other people in the company. And we had that dinner and all of a sudden, in the middle of dinner, out of the blue, he said, you're the person in your company that I enjoy dealing with the most. I thought, well, that's that's an interesting perspective. And why? He said, because you don't always ask me, what is it that you want? And, and you provide that to me. Sometimes when I ask for something, he, the customer, asks for something, you tell me flat out, BS, that's not what you need. This, this is maybe what you think you need, but this is not what you need. And you explain to me why something else is better for me. And this goes against the grain of what every salesperson, every good salesperson is being taught, that I should be always right. The, it's the fact that you tell me that I'm wrong and you're not afraid to lose my business by telling me that I'm wrong, but it, it builds your trustworthiness and, and I can trust you more for really caring about what I really need. So habit number 35, the customer is not always right. I should add here that don't tell the customer, you're stupid, you have no idea. I mean, that doesn't build your trustworthiness. That That's not really going to help you close the deal. But just very respectfully, let the customer know that what they're asking for is not what's really best for them and let them see that you do care about what's best for them. Habits 42 and 43 will force you to say something, to admit something to your customer that many salespeople are trying to avoid. They they don't want to say that because it makes them feel stupid or, or be perceived as stupid by the customer. And that is number 42, learn how to say, I don't know. Obviously, when you don't know something, when the customer is asking you something and you don't know, just say, I don't know. And I'll find out. But don't pretend to know. Don't make up the answer that does not build your trustworthiness. It might be for a second if you really come across as you really know the answer, but you know what? Overall, the customer is going to find out that you didn't know. So you're you're not trying to bet on the answer. Now, you might say something, and this is habit number 43, you might say something and then realize, oh, I was wrong. Admit that to the customer. Say I was wrong and correct yourself. Well, the right the right answer is actually this. Now, this can even happen like 20 minutes after you said something where all of a sudden you're going to catch that you said something that was wrong. That's still a good time to say, wait, you remember when I told you this? I was wrong. It's not exactly like that. These sound like things that, that you should avoid as a salesperson, but it's exactly the opposite. By your willingness and your ability to say, I don't know when you don't know something, 
or say I was wrong when you said something that was incorrect, that builds your trustworthiness because for the customer, you know, they realize that you know that you're not perfect. You are admitting to the fact that you're not perfect, which means that you are a lot more trustworthy when you say something because they know that if you're wrong, you will admit to it. And if you didn't know, you would not just say it. So number 42, say, I don't know. And number 43, say, I was wrong. Number 46, do not assume, ask. I remember one of my uh, first bosses uh, when I moved to the U.S. back in 1998 uh, said that the word assume, if you break it down, it's making an ass of you and me. Just think about it. Break the word uh, assume. So don't make assumptions. If it's not clear to you what the customer needs or wants or or their scenario is and, and their background is, just ask. Do not make assumptions. When you make assumptions, you're starting to take the deal in the wrong direction. And you're going to find out at some point and it's going to be a little hard to backtrack this. So if there is something that's not clear to you about the customer, about their needs, about the, the overall project, don't make assumptions. Ask them, get the answer, and then continue the sales process. So habit number 46, don't assume ask. One of the things I hate the most when somebody knocks on my door and says uh, and tries to offer me a different cellular service, a different TV service, a different internet service, is that the first thing they do is they ask, who do you get your service from now? And they start bedmouthing them. So did you know that uh, this is what they do? Did you know that we're offering something that's so much better? Did you know that when they tell you that they're giving you one gigabit per second internet speed, they're actually not guaranteeing it? This does not bode well with me. I do not respect a salesperson more because they manage to badmouth somebody I'm already doing business with. And I want to explain one of the reasons. One of one of them is is character. It, it tells me something about their character. Their character is that they're going to badmouth other people, and so I'm not sure that I can trust someone who bases their uh, sales process on somebody else's uh, imperfections. But I want you to think about something else when you're telling me that I bought something from someone who is not trustworthy or or not not trustworthy, who is not delivering something. So essentially what you're telling me is that I made a mistake. Maybe what you're telling me is that I'm stupid and you're going to rescue me. Well, you know what? I do not like to start a relationship that way. I do not like you to... You think that you're knocking on my door and rescuing me, but you're knocking on my door and telling me that I'm stupid because I chose a specific competitor. Now, this might not be someone that I already chose uh, and started doing business with. This might just be where you're describing your product versus everybody else's. Well, I know that you're going to say that your product is better, but when you start bad-mouthing competitors, you lose your trustworthiness in my eyes. So habit number 48, don't bad-mouth your competitors. Now, here's a tip that actually I did not make it uh, into the book, and, and I don't know why, but uh, I'll tell you a short story. 
So when when my older daughter Maya was was pretty young, I think she was about a year old or something. Uh, she wanted to call me at work one day, and so she asked my wife, uh, "Can I call Daddy at work?" And uh, my wife and I have a deal that if my wife calls and if I'm busy, if I can't take that call, I'm not going to take that call. So I'm, I'm not picking up. But if this is an emergency, my wife will hang up and call again. A few seconds later, if I get two calls from my wife within a few seconds, a few seconds apart, I will stop whatever I'm doing. Even if I'm speaking in a conference, I will stop and answer the phone. So that's that's our deal. But sometimes she calls and I answer. If it's not really important, she would actually start with asking this question. Can you talk right now? And if I can't, uh, I'm, I'm going to ask her probably, is this important? She's going to say it's not important. I, I would say, no, can't talk right now. Or I can. So she starts by asking, can you talk right now? So Maya wanted to call me and my wife told her, listen, this is how you start the conversation. You start by asking daddy, daddy, can you talk right now? The phone rings. I picked up. I, I was busy, but, you know, not speaking in the middle of a conference, uh, delivering a keynote busy. I was busy because I was working on something and, and really this was not a great time to talk. But I answered the call. On the other side was Maya and Maya started with, Daddy, can you talk right now? And I said, Maya, it's great to hear you, but I'm in the middle of something I can't talk right now. And then she went on to tell me everything that happened in her day, because what she did not realize is that it's not just asking the question, it's actually paying attention to the answer and acting on it. And so she should not have continued. Do you get those calls from telemarketers that they just start talking? You answer and they just start talking and they start telling you things. You know what? The one thing that they don't do is actually ask if this is a good time for me. And I'll tell you something. If this is not a good time for me, you are telling me that my time is not important to you. And as a result, I can't trust you. I, sometimes I tell a salesperson, listen, stop for a second. Let's start again. This time, start with asking the question, can you talk right now? Is this a good time for you? Every time I call someone, I start with, is this a good time for you? You know something? Even if we schedule to have this call, when I call and they answer, my first question is, is this still a good time for you? And if it is, we'll continue. This builds your trustworthiness at the eyes, through the eyes of the other person. So, Start your call or your meeting with making sure that they do have the time, uh, they do have the mental availability to talk to you right now, uh, to be available for a sales pitch. Because you know what? If they don't, you're not going to be making any sale today. I can promise you that. All of my books in the series, Can I Trust You, have names or subtitles that start with 50 plus one habits that will make you a trustworthy salesperson, 70 plus one habits that will make you a trustworthy leader, 67 plus one habits that will make you a trustworthy team member, and 60 plus one habits that will make you a trustworthy project manager. And you may wonder, what's the plus one? Why? It's not that I cannot add 50 plus one and get 51, or 70 plus one to get 71 and so on. The plus one is different. The plus one is different because the first 50 or 60 or 70 or whatever tell you how to be more trustworthy. 
The last one says, what if you can't? What if you can't be more trustworthy? What, what if you're not, this is not going to work, and, and specifically in the context of a sales deal. Salespeople are trying to get to the deal regardless of whether the customer needs it or not. I just need to close this deal and uh, I'll do everything and use every trick that, that's in, in my toolbox just to get this deal done. And this reminds me, when I had my own startup company back in Israel, we had a conference, an, an exhibition in, uh, I think this one was in New York, and we went over there and uh, demonstrated our product, and my wife came with me. And, and this, is, this story is, is one of the reasons why I think that my wife is one of the best salespeople I, I've ever met. Never got trained in sales which is maybe a good uh, a, a good outcome uh, or led to a good outcome. But what she did was I remember hearing her speaking with someone and they were go having the back and forth when she was trying to uh, sell the product. And I remember hearing her speaking with someone and after speaking to that person for a while, she said, this product is not for you. And I thought... Uh, wait, you're giving up on a sale. But what I was missing is that she realized that this person does not need this product. And so moving forward, I mean, she probably could use any sales trick and actually close the deal and get money, but that's not a good outcome. A good outcome is if that person, if the customer actually gets more value than the value that they attribute to the amount of money that we charge them. So the plus one habit is nowhere when to give up. And give up not because, you know, I can't convince the other person I'm giving up because, you know, I'm tired, I've spent too much time. Give up because this product is not the right product for the other person. This episode was less philosophical, theoretical, and more actionable. First, I started with using my surveys, showing you the impact, how important is being trustworthy as a salesperson is to you in both allowing you to charge a higher price and increasing the probability that you close the deal over an untrustworthy salesperson. In the second part, I gave you a few tips, a few habits from the book, 50 plus one habits that will make you a trustworthy salesperson that you can use and you can start using tomorrow. What would you like to know about trust and trustworthiness? Let me know and I'll make sure to answer it or find the answer to it in a future episode. I would love to hear from you. Email me at yoram at thetrustshow.com. That's Y-O-R-A-M at thetrustshow.com. If you like this podcast episode, subscribe to the show so you will automatically get new episodes. Rate it. Write a review for this podcast because those ratings would help others who are looking for a podcast just like this. If you're looking for more resources to learn about how to build trust, be trusted, or know who to trust, look up my online course at trustedatwork.com. Find my books on Amazon or go to my website, yoramsolomon.com. And remember one thing, the answer to these two questions will have the biggest impact on your personal and professional success or failure. Can I trust you? And can you trust me? Thank you for listening. <music>